Hi, I'm Patty Smith. This is Bert Newton. Hey, this is Karen. Oh, I'm Sam from Interpol. I'm Carlos from Interpol. This is Martha Wayne. Alex from the Orb. And you're listening to a Triple R archive on rrr.org.au. <laughs> And joining me now in the studio uh, to talk about the program for the 2016 Brisbane Festival, it's Artistic Director David Bertolt. David, welcome to Triple R. Great to be here, Richard, in person. Yes, rather than on the yeah, phone. It's exactly. quite unusual. I know, it's so, great. Uh, circumstances have meant that you're in Melbourne for a couple of yeah. weeks, so this works out well because it's always better to talk to someone face to face rather than over the phone. Absolutely. Now, you launched the program, uh, what, about a week and a half ago? That's right. Yeah. Yep. What's the response been uh, to the program in Brisbane to begin with? It's been great. You know, it's my second festival and really different to last year's festival so i think that's sort of you know made people sit up and take kind of extra kind of notice i guess but a lot of quite legendary acts in the festival as well as some surprise international pieces so i think you know that's made people go off and work out what it all is which and i like the fact that it is quite significantly different to last year because last year's program amongst other things had a focus on the democratic uh republic of congo uh a a very impoverished nation you balance that out with uh a wealthy but very small nation singapore and then began to explore political tensions and undercurrents through environmental issues and so forth and building Mm. a festival around that Mm. this year so is it a is it a challenge to reinvent your festival every year so that it does feel fresh and different and is there an expectation that in some ways you won't that there will be an identifiable style that marks your festival so that people know year by year, oh, it's the same artistic director, we know what to expect and in some ways what to look forward to. Mm. I'm keen to allow things to bubble to the surface and you know the, those pieces about the Congo and Singapore actually bubbled up quite naturally. And in fact, the, the Congolese uh, focus bubbled up out of the Brisbane community, actually. So the, the, in, in a way, I didn't impose those things, they just evolved. And similarly, this year, it's quite different because there were certain things that actually bubbled up to the surface and then I built around them and and one of those was was really about the very active public participation which in this election era feels quite <laughs> relevant actually I'm almost wondering now as if people are going to be running around kind of like Brisbane kind of voting on everything they see voting well, it up kind of like that yeah. Yeah, yeah why do you think participation has become uh, a key theme in in arts and culture over recent years well, in, in society, even more widely, I think it's part of our DNA now. We don't just watch television anymore. We tweet and vote, and, you know. We don't just read a news article now. We post a comment and, you know, through all of those things, we actually become part of the story, and that's been going on for a while now. And it's just DNA, in our DNA. So we expect, actually, to be part of the story, not just to receive it. And how is that participatory experience then being played out in some of the acts you've programmed at this year's festival? In Actually, in all sorts of ways. It threads all the way through the festival but manifests in different ways. You know, every, everywhere from big international collaboration, which has a local brass band on stage, not just as accompaniment but actually as a really integrated part of the project, through to a piece about sex work at, from Ireland, which actually calls for male volunteers um, men who want to do something about misogyny in society. So, you know, a couple of months before the show, we'll actually actively call for those volunteers. So that's another way. Sometimes it hap- actually happens on the night, tapped on the foyer, and you're asked to participate in some way. So in all sorts of ways, yeah. 
Now, you mentioned an Irish theatre company. I understand you went to uh, not the, just what, the Dublin Theatre Festival? Theatre Festival. Yeah, and you've seen one company who particularly impressed you because you've bought over that company. They're doing three different shows. Yeah, it was extraordinary. I saw a company called Dead Centre and they were doing a piece called Chekhov's First Play, which was, uh, you know, some kind of version of Platonov. I I don't know what it was, you know. And... uh, Anyway, I went along and saw it, not knowing very much, but I thought it was one of the best pieces of kind of theatre I'd ever seen, really. You know, the kind of marriage of form and content and not only managed to wrestle that work to the ground, but did so in a thoroughly Chekhovian way, but in a way that was completely 21st century at the same time. And and I realised that this company had only done three works. Um and then discovered subsequently that they were all terrific and there were international people sniffing them sniffing them out all over the place. Thomas Ostermeyer from the Schaubener in Berlin was there on the night I was and, you know, one of those pieces was already played in the Schaubener in Berlin, you know, a couple of months ago. So I thought, well, damn it, we'll make a feast of this and, we, and for the first time all three of those works will be in one place at one time. I, I wonder how overwhelming it must be for that company to, to, to be going from making small... Uh, I guess independent work in mm. in Dublin for a local Irish audience who perhaps in the case of one of their works Lippy which is based on a, the true story of a suicide mm. pact mm. they would not pe- the audience would know that story and would quite possibly know members of the company in the way that people yeah. in independent theatre seems to and suddenly they're they're in hot demand for international arts festivals amazing it's been a very quick journey for them and and it was it was when I put it to them to bring all three they said oh why <laughs> you know they almost tried to talk me out of it in a way you know, for the reasons you suggest and but when I looked at all works you know that I thought they were just spectacularly good and and it's one of the roles of a festival I think is to introduce new artists new arts companies into into a community into a city one of the other roles for a festival is to support local companies and to help mm. them stage work that then can be seen on an international or at least national scale um Brisbane Festival has a, a great relationship over several festivals and several festival directors with Circa, hmm. uh, and you're once again working with that kind of new circus company this year. Yeah, it's a very proud relationship, actually. You know, they're a Brisbane company, but they're superstars of international circus. I think they've played about 35 countries now and regularly play on the big stages in New York, London, Europe, through Europe, and we premiered their new a new work of theirs last year, which is already played at the Barbican in London and in Europe and various sort of places. And is coming to Melbourne very soon. It's coming to Melbourne, actually, quite soon. That's quite right. Um, uh, And we've commissioned a new work from them from quite a big uh, venue, actually. It's almost 2,000 seats. It's kind of a semi-outdoor venue in Brisbane, which is a very democratic space. People tend to rock up to it in their kind of shorts and Thongs, you know, it's that sort of place, you know. And so we've made a, a, a circus piece called Troppo, especially for that space. So I think that'll be quite a spectacular and very fun event, I think. Now, that notion of a, of a democratic space is something that I wanted to tease out a little more because having had a recent conversation with Sam Strong, the, the relatively recently appointed artistic director of QTC, mm. he hasn't been in the role for that long, um, he's commented that he's observed how democratic and cooperative the Brisbane Arts Ecology is compared to other cities. So somewhere like Sydney and Melbourne theatre companies might compete and venues might compete with one another. He says mm. that Brisbane is much more open and much more collaborative as a the culture of the city. It's something in its DNA. Would you agree? 
Uh, absolutely. I, I, you know, Sam, I mean, I'm a poor Sarah from, of course, Sam and I have had dinners and sp- spoken about this at some length over bottles of wine, so <laughs> there's an indication. So, um, absolutely, you know, I certainly find that from the festival's point of view, you know, we work very happily with almost every arts organisation in the city and also the big arts centre, you know, the Queensland Performing Arts Centre, very friendly relationship and um, uh, it's certainly a characteristic of the of the arts community in Brisbane and I think it's really, really healthy. I think people really go out of the way to help each other for, for, the, for the greater good, as it were. Now, um, speaking of uh, not necessarily the greater good but the great and the good, uh, amongst the, the musical program in your festival, you've got Go-Between's co-founder Robert Forster playing, I believe, his only Brisbane show for the year? Well, it's interesting because uh, he, he's he's releasing a book in August, just in the weeks leading up to the festival uh, through Penguin, called uh, Grant and I, which is a memoir about his relationship with Grant McClellan. He's co-founder of Go Betweens. Now, given you know, Robert is a tre- tremendous writer, you know, if, if, if anyone's read his articles in the Monthly in various places, you know, he's a very erudite writer. So I think that memoir will be quite something as a kind of social and musical document. Uh, and this will be his first concert after uh, after that launch, uh, coming off the back of a big European tour. So I have a feeling it will be quite a personal concert in that way, you know, so I'm really looking forward to that. Now, uh, for people who've never been to the Brisbane Festival before, it's running from the 3rd to the 24th of September, one of the things that struck me about it last year was, A, coming up from Melbourne at the start of spring where it's still very, very chilly, that mm. balmy riverbank, uh, uh, and just the, the, again, the generosity of audiences uh, and the the relaxed air of... Was it Arcadia? Is that the, yes, the, the yes. forecourt at QPAC that you yes. turned into a yeah. bit of a festival hub? Yeah. That, that's coming back this year, isn't it? Yes, and bigger and better. Yeah. So, a couple of Spiegel tents? Uh, two, two Spiegel tents and uh, and uh, a drag and a moat, uh, an Amazonian forest and all sorts of things. So there'll be lots of fun and games to be had in this... Well, as, as the word suggests, Arcadia, a, a, a kind of ideal fantasy land in a way, yeah. Uh, for Melbournians who may be listening to our conversation, David, and thinking, well, that sounds kind of fun, what else can you tempt them with to, to encourage them to fly up to Brisbane? Well, um, if, you, if you're into contemporary dance, we have uh, a new work uh, from the United States called Rules of the Game, which uh, boasts uh, a score by Pharrell Williams, uh, who's never written for theatre or dance before, so it's quite a new thing for him. And by one of the real groundbreakers in American contemporary dance, uh, Jonah Bacot's choreographer, unknown in Australia, probably never been to Australia before, but he's absolutely on the top shelf of the big innovators in American contemporary dance. And, and this work only premiered about a month ago, and we were very quick <laughs> off the mark. We get it before New York, which is great. So it doesn't play at BAM in New York until November. So it's a you know. So if you want, want right the cutting edge of American contemporary dance, for example, that's certainly one. And that's again, it reinforces that role that festivals have in introducing unknown artists to new audiences and really. Uh, allowing for cross-fertilisation on a global scale rather than just kind of from city to city. Absolutely. I mean, he's very well known in the United States, but not here, never been here. So, you know, I think it, it'll be a, 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 a real stimulus, you know, to those interested in dance, you know, in, in, in the country.
Well, I'm looking forward to exploring the program in more detail. David Berthold, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Brilliant. Thanks, Richard. And uh, as we said, the Brisbane Festival 2016, running from the 3rd until the 24th of September. If you'd like more information about the program, jump online, www.brisbanefestival.com.au. Hi, I'm Patty Smith. This is Bert Newton. Hey, this is Karen. Oh, I'm Sam from Minipore. I'm Carlos from Minipore. This is Martha Wayne. Alex from the Orb. And you're listening to a Triple R archive on rrr.org.au. <laughs> Joining me in the studio, Annie Davy and Maud Davy, uh, who together are with a, a group of other very talented artists, including Anna the Pocket Rocket Lum, Gabby Barton, and Teresa Blake, are presenting Retro Futurismus New World at 45 Downstairs. Welcome to you both. Hi, Richard. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Very great pleasure. Now, Annie, you were on the Triple R Airwaves not too long ago with a different hat on, talking about a, a show you directed for, oh, I don't know, some major company called Circus Oz. Circus or Oz, yeah, yeah, major performing arts organisation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I came off that show after putting it into Melbourne and went straight into Retrofuturismus New World. Yeah. She went to, she did go to Sarah Ward's show, Covered, which she also directed on the last night of her engagement with Circus Oz before she came out. So she's a busy lady. She is. She is. Now, for people who um, uh, don't know the two of you and your work, um, they may be thinking they've got the same surname and their voices are quite similar. So, yes... We are related. Yes, they are. I was going to try and make a joke about being married, but then I just thought, no, that would be weird and awkward, so I'm not going to go there. (laughs) We're twins. But the funny thing is that we used to go, when we travelled in New York, for example, we'd go to these hotels and they'd give us a double bed and we'd have to go down and say... um, We're sisters. We're sisters. Can we have separate beds, please? (laughs) Yes, it would be odd. So, Retro Futurismus New World, is this a remount of... Uh, the show you did last year, no. Retro Futurists, or is it an, an involvement That's of it? That's exactly what it is. It's an evolution. We are doing what humanity needs to in order to survive. Yeah. So the the the, the world that we are proposing, Morty and I propose it, is that we are in the future... The, the not-too-distant future, looking back on the not-so-recent past. But it is a past that is imagined by the prophets of the late 20th century, Kubrick, Bowie, Fritz Lang... Margaret Atwood. Björk, possibly. I was just reading an article in your magazine about prog rock, Procol Harum, all oh, of those. Um, Devo. Devo, okay. yeah. Um, I like this future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but but this this evolution, I suppose, is is a proposition that involves you know the extermination of the species of humankind, and as not a, necessarily a bad thing given what we're doing to the planet. Not necessarily. No, it, well, w- we depends could, on from which perspective you look at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. So there is a moment when Morty and I... as this sounds really dumb. ...as cockroaches come out and deride humankind for being weak and insignificant and, um, and inferior. Then agree, and then agree to exterminate them. And so humankind is faced with three choices. We can submit, we can also escape or we can evolve into the humankind that might eventually inherit a planet and nurture and um, make it, continue to make it thrive. Okay. I just want to come and see you dressed as cockroaches now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm already sold. Fantastic. Excellent. So are we. Although I have to say Annie wants me to wear black thongs and brown socks. Ooh. You know, the, it's cockroaches are disgusting and thongs and socks... 
just do it for me in that way. (laughs) So... It's one of the things that strikes me about the the, the show is that it's not just talking about the the forced evolution or or not of the human race, but it's also looking at the evolution of uh, vaudeville as an art form because this really is a is a vaudeville show in many ways. It's kind of bringing in a bit of cabaret, a bit of circus, that tradition that we thought had died out after World War Two, yeah. which over the last ten to fifteen years has had such a revival. Yeah. So is it about honing and, and taking vaudeville to a new place as well? Absolutely. Um, um, look, it, it, what what we're kind of doing is following this trail, which is leading us to a place that, it, 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 in which we're doing very odd work. Some of it is very odd. Some of it is fant- some of it is fantastically straight up fun and great. Like Anna is doing a brilliant new trapeze act. Um, and Gabby's, Gabby just does these beautiful kind of tender transformations. That's pretty weird too, though. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Tender transformations. Colourful, though. Very colourful. <laughs> um, we feel like we've... We feel like last year we set ourselves a kind of vaudeville challenge and we're rising to it. Yeah, we decided that we were sick of what has become your traditional burlesque. I mean, that's gone off on its own trajectory. And, you know, these cabarets where you just sort of get the same old, same old. And we went, come on, let's do stuff which isn't same old, same old. Let's decide what is going to happen to this form and let's go there. Let's push it there. So I have to say, it's quite stressful in terms of anxiety levels because we really are treading what we consider quite new ground. Good, because it's it, one of those things that's become... For example, if you go and see a show in a Spiegel tent in a festival, yep. um, you just you know what you're going to get. You're going yep. to get a little bit of burlesque, a little bit of um, yep. uh, a circus. Of yep, yep. Um, there will be a bit of undressing. Uh, yep. Someone will sing. You'll probably get a silks act. Yeah. Some of so you'll th- sing a cover. Yeah, there's a real kind of... While all the individual skills that, that are presented in those kind of shows are great, there is there's become a sameness to a Spiegel tent show for example. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that that's become a genre, Spiegel Tent Show. Yeah. Mm. So, which then means all those associated art forms, circus, burlesque, cabaret, performance art and so on, that are are drawn upon to create these shows. Mm. How do we kickstart them? How do we make them fresh and different and new? It'll be interesting to have the conversation once we've opened. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's terrifying at the moment. You know, really, I look at the stuff that Teresa's doing and go, oh, my God, she's a genius. You know, I I don't know why it works. She's on the evolution path. She's trying to evolve humanity um, around... Yeah, via objects. However, there's this great... I went to Mona. It was really inspiring. Have you... they've, They've got the Cameron... Can't remember the artist's name, Cameron Wilson, Cameron Exhibition. He works with vortices, and what he talks about is um, dissipating structures. And so a vortex in water is a dissipating structure. It resembles life, but it's not alive. It takes in energy, it translates it into... It translates it into something else and it expels it at the other end, and it always takes on a similar structure, just like human beings do. 
We are always manifested in a similar kind of shape. We take in energy, we transform it, and we expel it. That's an interesting concept when you look at Morty and me standing next to each other on a stage in our fabulous gold oh, jumpsuits my God. with 80s shoulder pads. I'm and, so glad there are gold jumpsuits. There's a video doing the rounds on Facebook at the moment of what the future could have been like. And yet it's got jumpsuits and it's got kind of shoulder pads and high-heeled chunky boots. Yeah, and that's that's it. Co- coral. Plastic coral high heels. Oh my god! We're, I'm excited to wear that costume. Why? Yeah. When did the future go from being this kind of like glorious vision to, to a cyberpunk dystopia? Yeah, to a noni. Yeah. I. Well, yes. What was the point? Was it the Iraq War? Was it? I don't know. You know they talk about the Anthropocene. Is the point now when we're looking at, what is it, Michael Gove, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, Pauline Hanson, wherever you go. Welcome to our terrifying kind of bleak future. No, no, but come to retro because the future there is so much nicer. Gold jumpsuits. Gold jump. The fact that you referenced everybody from Fritz Lang and through to so many other artists who's... This is the kind of... Yeah, the, I don't know. It's a future where we would all be living in bubble cities on the moon. That's and, right. And there will be hover cars. And exactly. We, the, yeah, we'd jump into our little flying car to go down and get it, buy our pills, which we'd take back. And we wouldn't buy them, though. They would manifest... Magically in our houses. There'd be a machine, a food yeah, yeah. machine that you just produces food pills for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Money didn't feature very heavily in the sort of... Credit strips. I'm sure everybody just had credit strips. Yeah, that's it's right. implanted in their neck or something. Yeah. Which would make getting drinks at a show like Retro Futurismus New World quite easy. You'd just kind of like wave your hand over something and... and... Would you still drink... Well, it's fun. It, it is, is fun. fun, isn't it? It's one of, it'd be one of those nostalgic things to do, wouldn't it? Do, should we have a glass of wine? Oh Goodness, I haven't had one. I haven't drunk anything for years. No, all right. Let, let's, let's. Oh, let's live wildly. Retro Futurismus New World is on at 45 downstairs. Uh, kicked off last night. It actually opens tonight. So, but previewed last night? No, no, no? We, our first preview is tonight. Okay, my piece of paper says uh, dates Wednesday the 6th, yeah, Sunday yeah, the 31st. In the future, that. nothing is actually Time accurate. Time is an illusion, <laughs> lunchtime <laughs> doubly so, to quote Douglas Adams. And we run until July the 31st, Wednesday to Sunday. So plenty of opportunities to get along. Friday night, this Friday, is the, the grand yep. opening. Gala. So uh, I'm bringing along a friend who's just moved over from Adelaide so Great. I can uh, expose her to your delight. And I don't know how... It, accurate the word expose is, given <laughs> what I've seen of, uh, well, certainly some of your work, Maud. Yeah, but no, I don't get my kit off in this. You've just come back from Tasmania, haven't you? I have, you? yeah, from yeah. Hobart. Yeah, yeah, you did... Um, Festival of Voices. Yeah, My Life in the Nude, kind of highlights thereof. Kind no, of... no, uh, I did My Life in the Nude in Hobart. What I did in... What I did before the weekend before was I monetized my rehearsal by doing My Life in the Nude highlights at Hares and Hyenas for a weekend. Clever. That's what I thought. <laughs> and actually... All all the money has gone to pay our guest artists on Retro Futurismus. So, so this week is Azaria Universe. We persuaded her across the ditch. She's moved to New Zealand and she's doing this amazing, strange showgirl. Yep. Lovely. And who are some of the other guest artists? Or uh, next can... week we've got Kira Peru, amazing, uh, you know, singer. incredibly talented singer. Then we've got, after that, we've got Yana Alana. 
The one we're, worried. Only. we're worried about her. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to move out of the dressing room yeah. so she can have the whole thing. Yeah. Yana's version of the future could be quite terrifying. Indeed. Terrifying, yeah. She's mm. written us a, a song specially, actually. And then the last week we're really excited about having the Huxleys, Garrett and Will Huxley, you know, performance art sequined superstars. I've seen them uh, uh, in a, a Spiegel tent show, Yummy. Yes. Uh, yes. yes, yeah. So uh, they were great. So, okay, an immersive performance extravaganza presenting an alternative, nostalgic view of the present. Retro. Re- it's a tongue twister. It's retro, the German in it. Retro. retro- Futurismus, New, New World. world. Uh, it is on at 45 downstairs. From Count t- the stairs on the way down. I don't think there's 45. Oh, okay, I was just assuming it was 45 because that's the number of the street. It is, but I always want to count the stairs. Okay, go on. Can I, I will. I, when I, I challenge you all, count the stairs on the way down. Uh, opening uh, tonight uh, for a preview, running through until Sunday the 31st of July, Wednesdays, uh, Thursdays, Fridays, 7.30pm, Saturdays, 7pm and 9.30pm, Sundays, 5pm, at 45 downstairs, 45 Flinders Lane in Melbourne. Tickets, 28 bucks to 45 bucks. You can book at 45downstairs.com or by picking up your telephonic device and calling at 9662 Sounds like it's going to be a hoot. We hope so. It was last night. I mean, we, you know, we, we did a dress run last night and went, well, this is interesting, isn't it? Can't <laughs> wait for an audience. <laughs> Annie Davey, Maud Davey, thank you so much for joining us. Such a Thanks, pleasure. Richard. Hi, I'm Patty Smith. This is Bert Newton. Hey, this is Karen. Oh, I'm Sam from Minnipur. I'm Carlos from Minnipur. This is Martha Wainwright. Alex from the Orb. And you're listening to a Triple R archive on rrr.org.au. <laughs> One of the things that I find fascinating about the performing arts is that often the focus is on the performers themselves, which is fair enough, but there's so much other artistry that goes into a performance, the costumes, the set design, the lighting design and so forth. So an exhibition that's on at the moment at Art Centre Melbourne, a free exhibition, is called Stage Presence, Design from the Australian Performing Arts Collection and is really focused on the costumes and the sets that support a performance on stage. Joining me to talk all about the exhibition is senior curator Tim Fisher. Tim, welcome to Triple R. Thanks, Richard. So... This is, as I said, it's a free exhibition in the the theatres building at Art Centre Melbourne, so people can drift in and out at their leisure. Uh, it's it's a free exhibition, which means that if you're, I don't know, maybe if people are waiting, they've got half an hour to kill before a show, they may go in and see it. Um, have you been spending much time in the exhibition itself, just watching how people respond to the works? I have, Richard, because that, that space in Art Centre Melbourne is kind of unique because it's open from eight in the morning till. 11 at night often and we get a big range of audiences sometimes it's people coming in during the day sometimes it's uh, people before a show or after a show they'll come in and, and see the exhibition and there's been a really good constant flow of people coming in to look at all the designs. And I'm glad to hear that because there's some beautiful work in this exhibition and one of the things that I think it as I said at the, in my intro, the fact that so much artistry goes into the supporting structure which the actors perform in, and often all eyes are on them. But in terms of the, the sheer level of detail that's gone into this work, for example, the set model designed by Tony Tripp for the MTC production uh, Miss Alliance in 1998, it's an exquisitely detailed kind of set design with tiny vines creeping up the side of a, of a building, and uh, it's such 
such a rich piece of work, so it's lovely that it gets its time in the spotlight in the exhibition. It does. Look, the design collection in as part of the Australian Performing Arts Collection um, is very varied. It, it varies from drawings, literal designs to um, designs, costume designs with swatches of material attached to them to set models, which uh, set models are an absolutely fascinating genre of material, not being made quite as much these days as they used to be. I guess because a lot of computer modelling is done now. Exactly. But these gorgeous uh, set models are absolutely wonderful things and we've tried to display them so you look through a little window into a, a world. And they really, they do capture a world beautifully and there's a, a fragility to them as well and that's something that is remarkable to look at them, just thinking that these tiny, fragile, detailed evocations of a, of a different time and a different space have survived and are preserved. Yeah, look, we, we divided the exhibition up into imaginary worlds, so the work of the designer in setting up the scene or the world in which the audience is about to enter or does enter during the production. And it's it's something that people somehow maybe take for, for granted, that that world is just there. But there are some extraordinarily uh, successful and uh, skilful designers who are particularly good at setting up those imaginary worlds. The other side of it is establishing character. So a lot of the works in uh, the exhibition are costume designs and um, ways that designers can help establish a character or a time frame or a, a mood, all those kind of things. Now, for people listening who aren't necessarily familiar with the Australian Performing Arts Collection, now, I'm, I'm in a privileged position. I've had a guided tour through the collection and it's just a joy and a delight, but it's a national repository of work from the performing arts field that goes back many 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 decades i mean if you know if people know of the 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 tivoli theater touring circuit for example of the 20s there's items from there there's much more recent work such as um uh, kylie minogue's gold shorts for example so it's this remarkable repository how challenging is it then to pull out the different elements from it to form an exhibition given that you've got thousands and thousands of items to choose from to narrow it down for an exhibition like this focused just on set design and costume yeah well we uh have a a, an exhibition program we do four exhibitions a year in our main gallery space and we do displays around art center melbourne as well. Um, The collection is now, as you say, very big. It runs from, I think our earliest object is 1856, uh, which is a a flyer for uh, Lola Montez's performance of the Spider Spider Dance. Dance. Up at the Goldfields? (laughs) On the Goldfields, exactly, at Ballarat. And it runs right through to very contemporary material. And we collect material around the live performing arts so everything dance theater opera um circus so there's there's a big range of material and it's really has now become the national collection of uh, the performing arts material yeah and it, one of the reasons for me that collection is so important is because 
even now in this age of, of where anybody can film something on on their phone, live performance, the liveness of it is is ephemeral. And so to have this collection documenting all the other aspects of it, the flyers, as you say, the posters, the, 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 the designs, the costumes and so forth, is really, really important. Yeah. Look, way back when the collection was started in the mid-1970s, it, it actually predates Art Centre Melbourne, but it uh, was a group of people discovered that a lot of our performing arts history was being lost because it was so ephemeral. So they set about um, just trying to collect material around all of the different forms of performing arts and it's kind of, it's material culture I guess. So as you say it goes from posters to photographs to costumes to designs and there's a great big range of material. We have a nice little research service so if anyone wants to do research into the collection that's very possible and we do our exhibitions and make stuff available online. Now, the current uh, exhibition, Stage Presence, designed from Art Centre Melbourne's Australian Performing Arts Collection, um, there's over 150 items on display uh, and some really significant designers and, and, uh, and theatre artists are represent, represented in this. So you've got John Truscott, Nigel Triffitt, um, more recently worked by Gabrielle Talasova, which I think is from last year's uh, Australian Ballet. It, exactly, yes, it is. And... The Australian Ballet have kindly lent us the costume that resulted from the design by Gabriela Tylesova for Caraboose, uh, the wicked black fairy. Um, and we have absolutely wonderful designers represented. This uh, exhibition is partly our attempt to uh, look at and exhibit material from recent acquisitions to the collection. So Hugh Coleman's wonderful uh, work around dance and the Australian ballet as well. But as you said, lots of material from uh, designing for the MTC, designing for the Sydney Dance Company. We have designs and costumes by Akira Isagawa from a very unique collaboration that he had with Graham Murphy. Uh, But also back to people that have been kind enough to donate parts of their collections, their oeuvre, to us. Now, I love the fact that it embraces everything from the ballet through to more, I guess we'll call it more populist art forms like big stage musicals. So Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, if anybody went to see that, um, the bus, uh, the, the, the design model for the bus, but from the UK version of the show, I believe, rather than the Australian production. That's right. Look, Brian Thompson, who is probably the most eminent designer uh, in Australia, he's been designing since the late 60s. He designed the first version of Hair and he has been kind enough to donate really a huge range of material from his own personal collection. This we decided to focus on Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And it ranges from the bus in the London production, as you say, but there's also a set model for a more recent production that was done on a cruise ship. So one of the really interesting things about Brian is that he's been able to design productions for a huge range of buildings, everything from small theatres right up to arenas uh, and all the different 
varieties of spaces that designers have to work with and he has done them all pretty much. So we decided to focus on Priscilla but actually show some different versions of, of his designs for different productions. Now one of the other things that I find fascinating about design for the stage to come back to costume, as you said earlier, a costume has to uh, speak to the character and has the added impact that fine detail isn't necessarily visible from the back rows of the theatre. So the the designer has to think about how the uh, it looks from close up. They have to think about the overall impression it makes in terms of tone and colour and how that's going to be offset by the, the set design and the lighting and so forth. So to see a range of costume designs on display as well, I think for whether it's for students of fashion or theatre lovers, again, there's so much in this exhibition to appeal. Yes. Look, uh, designs by people like Roger Kirk, who, for instance, when he was doing the designs for The King and I, which was an Australian production that went to Broadway and was extremely successful, he had to design over 200 costumes and often multiple versions of each costume. And when you're designing for dance, you have to really take into... Um, you have to understand the movement required for a dancer and how the costume is going to affect that. So costume design is a very kind of complex um, thing to do, I guess. And in the exhibition, we've got lots, as you say, we've got lots of different versions of costume design from across the, all those different performance genres. The exhibition is Stage Presence, designed from the Australian Performing Arts Collection. It's on at Art Centre Melbourne uh, until the 4th of September in the theatre's building underneath the spire. It's a free exhibition, so whether you're in the city and looking to kill an hour before you have an appointment or uh, meeting a friend or whether you're going to see a show at... Uh, at the Art Centre if you are, arrive early to give yourself plenty of time to look at the work because it really is there's a, such a beautiful broad range of work on display and as we've said, it's not only an opportunity to look into different worlds through the sets but to look at some of the, the recent history of performance in... Triple R. For complete access to the Triple R archives which include over 100 interviews, live-to-air performances, documentaries and other Triple R specials, become a subscriber via the link on our website. Thanks for listening to Triple R.